Setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. It is Monday, January 13th, 2020. For now, it is very late at night. Uh, yeah, it'll be almost uh, the next day very soon. Yes. Uh, but it is very, uh, very much a new year. Happy New Year. I haven't seen you this year. Uh, no. And also, uh, you pointed out that we were talking in our last episode about sound effects. Uh, oh, right. If you listened to the last episode. Yes. That, uh, with uh, Casey. That we were talking about sound effects, and apparently they didn't make it through into the recording. It's because uh, I don't know how to use this board. But now I do. Yeah. I can already see on the waveform that that's nice and loud. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, it's not even that loud, but it's showing up at least. Uh, so can you play the applause sound that we... Uh... Uh, well, let's see. Here's my uh, co-host, John Accardo. Good to be here. <laughs> that's the stuttering effect of the applause that we were talking about. Right. Last time. And, uh, you know... Ba-da-ba-ba-bow. I've seen the show Magic Goes Wrong twice, and you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, then, so we got to Oh, yeah. And then there's this. Uh, here, I have an invisible deck. Uh, why don't you take the uh, cards out? Oh, you've got to open it first. There you go. That should be the womp, 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 womp. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I can't. Who, who did I re- recently? Oh, I was randomly pointed to um, this thing that said, like, uh, tips for uh, card magicians by Jason. And before I clicked on it, I was like, I bet this is Jason LaDanye. Like the, the tone of the headline was like a little strident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I bet it's Jason LaDanye. But then I got to it and actually you would have agreed with all five of these points. But one of them was like, stop saying um, jokes about like how long it took you to do this or, mm. uh, you know, um, about not getting applause and that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but specifically about like, uh, you know, those jokes along the lines of like, and that's what I call, you know, n- not going to prom right. or whatever it is. Right, right. Uh, and then another thing he actually did mention, which uh, I thought was interesting, is to stop using um, jargon in like, you know, like, well, there's no crimps in this or. Oh, sure. I've heard that before um, in, in Maximum Entertainment by Ken Weber. Yeah. This has a sequel now, which I've not read. Yes. Have you read that? Well, I, you have it? I I have read the first one, but then I'm like, if this is the maximum, there can't possibly be a follow up. Right, maximum, maximumist. Yeah, what's beyond this? Um, he in maximum entertainment, he I think he mentions to uh, similar jargon. He's like, stop telling people you're going to riffle the deck. No one, that's not a word. Right. No one knows what that means, and I think that's yeah. good advice. There are these like weird, enormous uh, blind spots we have in magic. Uh huh. I thought you say like in in your vision. Uh, uh, right, <laughs> they're um, weird. They're called. Have you noticed that um, <laughs> your left arm it feels weird and numb? Is that what happened to you? I smell toast. Right. Are you making toast right now? Um, yeah. So I, I I've noticed there are these gigantic blind spots that we have in in magic. More so, I wonder. I mean, gosh, this is just the, the I guess the the thesis of this whole podcast. But I wonder if that's as. Like, is there something that could somebody write like five things to stop doing in stand-up comedy and yeah. have something that's like, oh yeah, I guess we do do that too much, you know? Maybe. Is yeah. there anything that like I, I don't know that anybody? I, I think the weird thing is that the the things like things like that on a list of hey magicians, please stop doing this. The weird thing is that um, <clears throat> you still see those things when you go to the magic castle, right? Like I don't uh, I don't hate it if somebody says I, I try not to say riffle. Yeah. And I guess there are probably other jargony terms I could cut out that I haven't noticed mm-hmm. that at all. I'm sure you could call me out on. But I don't – like if somebody does it, it says the word riffle at the castle, I'm not going to, you know, faint. I'm not, not going to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is better to get rid of those things. I But I wonder like who is going – who is going to bat? Who is like really get ready <laughs> to go to the mat to defend like the use of the word riffle? Or jargon like that. It's also possible. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you mean know what like, I mean? Who's really like? I gotta say this. You got like as like, opposed to just picking it up. As opposed to everybody being like, oh yeah, I guess that's. F-. People might think that who cares? That doesn't matter. Right. Which is I valid. I don't know if I agree with it or not. But who's like, no, that's bullshit. You got to riffle. You know, un- unless you're, of course, you can always break a rule when you understand why you're breaking the rule, and that's its own exception. Well, it, it might also be a thing of like, um, not only. So not only maybe do only magicians understand those terms, but maybe also only magicians care if they hear them. <laughs> like right. maybe a regular audience member is like not particularly confused by riffle right. and doesn't even know that it's a term. They're just like, well, that makes sense. He's kind of riffling it or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, it's but also, like in, in comic, could you write a list of five things to stop doing that's what I, the that, thing, that, that, that won't have people legitimately like going like – 
that won't have a group of people going to the mat to be like, no, that's a bullshit rule. See, the thing is, I think that you could make a list of five things not to do in improv or in stand-up, but it's very unlikely that you would go to see like the top show at an improv theater and see people doing those things. So um, I, now I actually would be inclined to disagree. Granted, I, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not ready to say that I know more about improv. <laughs> you don't know what you. the five things are though. But yeah, I don't right. know the five things, but I have heard you say that like the things that you are coached on in an improv, the rules you were taught yes. in improv, you in your teams, you say you break all the time. Yes. Because I think that uh, like, we um, uh, saying no, or what's the, I think it's called pimping, pimping someone. people. At, and that's because and that's we exactly what you think is audience if you're listening to this pimping somebody in an improv show is exactly what you think in the middle of the show we offer someone up for sex yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) um it's a weird turn but it works i mean they've built an empire i think it's because in an advanced improv group you're not really breaking the principles um which is that um you're the best thing about seeing an improv show is seeing the people create and seeing the the collaborations between the the performers Mm -hmm. so as long as you're not breaking that, it's kind of fine. And some of these more uh, kind of dickish moves that you would do in improv, you'd only do with a team of friends. Right. And so that's still under the umbrella of like, we're all working together. Sure. Uh, you should never do it with people you don't know. Right. Um, I would say that the, it, the, the, the thing is, is like, okay, so for standup, let's say on this list with stuff like, um, don't use the microphone as your dick. Right. <laughs> you know, um, don't uh yeah somebody would immediately <clears throat> there is a group of people all female that would defend that you know usage of the mic, and they'll all be like no it's so funny well the thing is so like if we said uh basically you know what i mean in in improv yeah i'm sure <laughs> in improv and uh stand-up and magic it's basically a list of what everybody in those industries considers to be hacky mm-hmm. so that i think the difference is is that like the 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 stereotypes of what hacky material is in stand-up which I would say at this point, a lot of times is like, uh, like there is a thing which I didn't even realize, but like, it's hacky to talk about like the Uber ride you just took. It's hacky to talk about, I, and I just saw this on a list, and I was like, oh, I have written a joke about that. It's hacky to talk about your twenty three and Me results in comedy, <laughs> yeah, and at like open mics uh-huh. or whatever. Um, but like things that are like, okay, it's a hack thing for, you know to do like racial, like shallow racial humor or whatever. Right. It'd be very odd for you then to go see anyone that's a professional touring or like in a, in a high end club doing those things. Um, they'd be doing it at a better level. Sure. Or at, at a level. And if I may, uh, mm. Kind of go off your um, what I thought was a great episode of your uh, open call, uh, your musical theater podcast with you and and your husband and Tim Murray. Yes, um, where you got into it. You're, you're talking about Mike Birbiglia is the new one. Yeah, um, and you and you got into a discussion about Dave Chappelle, and yeah. I think like Dave Chappelle does a lot of like, you know, offensive. Not as I guess racial, a lot of racial humor, but now a lot of you know uh, LGBTQ humor. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I hate a lot of it. And I, but like what, what Tim's point was, and I think he put it very eloquently. He's like, yeah, I hate a lot of what he's saying, but I, it's just, he's still so undeniably like an incredible comedian yeah. the way he sets up a joke. So that is, is, is that kind of what you're suggesting that like, yeah. if you were to see someone like Dave Chappelle, yeah, they, if, if one of the five rules is don't do bad jokes about, you know, LGBTQ people, like you're seeing someone that is a higher quality comedian. And now you can debate whether or not that's appropriate or good, <laughs> or if there's a place for that, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Whereas um, I think you could look at, like, say, the hacky, corny things that someone at my level or below in Magic does, mm-hmm. and you can almost verbatim see those same things in a castle performer. I think you, sometimes you can, yeah. <clears throat> and then I think if that, I wonder if that just comes back to, again, what is just the, the overall thesis of this, that, like, what, what, you know, how, how do you think that we solve that problem? Well, I think to some degree that it's funny because Magic doesn't seem like a younger. But magic is a younger art form than, let's say, like theater in general, don't you think? Or like the idea Boy, of being a comedian. Uh, there are some people that uh, you I know guess what? Not, I, if I you guess go back to like I, snake charmers and stuff. And I imagine, like in the in the nineteenth and eighteenth century, you do have a lot of records of people doing magic, especially yeah. in the nineteenth century, in the eighteen hundreds. I think that probably predates like comedy in the way we know it. Yeah, but like, I, you know, I, I really but, but then you with comedy, you're going all the way back to like Shakespeare and court jesters, right? And, yeah, that's a good and point. Aristophanes and the frogs and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas, uh, I I just feel I don't know. I, you know, there are people like Jim Steinmeier and Mike Caveney that would be much. I mean, those guys are really old. Is that more, what you're saying? Yeah, um, <laughs> they were around back then. Am I right? Hit me with a hit me with a, a symbol. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, oh, that's fun. Uh, um, like, uh, I I almost feel that the I I still think magic is kind of figuring out what it is. Weirdly, or either that, or it's changing every ten years. Um, I don't know. It doesn't see, because you can still see a thread between, for example, tonight I watched Julio Torres's. My favorite shapes special on HBO. But you'd seen it already, right? I'd seen parts of it, but okay. tonight we sat down and watched the whole thing. It's great. If, yeah, if you haven't watched it, I've 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 never actually watched it. The one thing I I saw of him was um he was on the Tonight Show. He yes. was on Fallon, which is a strange show for him to be on. Yeah. That's like I think very purposefully the most mainstream sort of over the plate of all of the you know yeah um all of the late night shows. You yeah. would much I I think feel like you would much sooner see someone like him on Conan. Or um, like Seth Meyers, or Seth Meyers, yeah. or something, uh, and it's a, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's he, so he did this. Yeah, he's he's a, it's a strange special. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, I also special yet, but he did segments from it on that, and it was hilarious. The, show, the special actually expands on it a lot. And now, um, I'm sure. Have you seen the the, the segment I'm talking about? Uh, I think so. Did he do the? Uh, he did the Ferrero Rocher things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, First of all, I saw that special and I was like, I'm so happy that this exists. And it's it actually can only exist in America because he's a an immigrant from El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And the special is surprisingly political. Mm. Like, And you would never think that he could right. hit those kind of things, but he does. Um, but like, it's so, you can even see a thread between him and, you know, Bob Newhart and really? yeah, like there, there's you, you can see them as being I in the same to a clip of Bob Newhart last night. Oh, he's great. Uh, is an old. It was uh, it was um, on a podcast I listened to about films called Unspooled uh-huh. with Paul Shear and a film critic named Amy Nicholson, and they were talking about uh, they were talking about Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, and they were talking about there's a conversation that uh, Peter Sellers is having as the president. On the phone with um, the president of Russia. Yes, I love that one. Yeah, that um, and he and they, they do is they Dimitri, right? Dimitri, <laughs> you know he's kind of done something. Uh-huh. Well, I, I'll tell you what he did. Uh, <laughs> and it's a great scene if you haven't if you haven't seen that movie. It's a wonderful film. But uh, they what were they were talking about is they they they're talking about where they think that kind of conversation was inspired by and sort of the humor was inspired by. And then they played a clip of Bob Newhart doing stand up and it was him on the phone with somebody he was you know yes, um, yeah yeah with a military person talking about finding a shell on the beach but it's a mil- you know it's a, yeah. it's a um and it's a very very similar thing he has such a good stutter and a yeah. good deadpan yes he's great oh uh, but like so so i think you could see this sort of continuum between Julio Torres and you know George Carlin Bob Newhart mm-hmm. even going back you know Basically, all the way back to like the Mrs. Maisel days and before that. Right. That's what I call that period. Mrs. Um, Maisel days. Whereas, have you watched the third season of that? I have not yet. It's very good. So I, I don't very know. I impressed by the, how it ended. Can you find the same continuum between, you know, like Shin Lim and <laughs> Chung Ling Su or something? I don't know. Two definitely Asian magicians. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I that's a really good question. I, I think... I th- I think magic is still figuring out what it is, and 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 there's so many, like even okay. So e- the other thing is that there's more of a continuum in comedy of like what Dave Chappelle's doing in a special is still the same thing that uh, an open micer is doing, you mm-hmm. know, right? And if they do it in a corporate setting, or if they do it at a wedding, or if they do it like it's still in the same ballpark, right? But like comparing like honestly, even comparing Shin Lim on AGT and Shin Lim on a daytime morning show is already two different mediums right like two very different skill sets yes uh and then to try to compare you know uh david williamson with david copperfield it's just like you're saying these are in the same field and it's kind of like are they really in the same field yeah the, the analogy i've been using most re- the most as a lot la- of the last year or so and i don't know if this apl- i don't know we'll tell me what we think is that with magic uh, all of these mediums are just different. Are are all musicians playing different instruments? Yeah. David Williamson is playing 
you know, I don't know, guitar and 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 David Copperfield is playing violin. Yeah. Like they're just different yeah. mediums that exist if you if you can read music, if you can read sheet music, you can read either, you know, you can read sheet music for uh yeah, I guess guitar have... or for violin, but it, but there's different instruments or different And we've mediums. got different genres of music in the same way. Um, I think that that's that is now the analogy I use. Exactly. And that's the analogy I use when people ask me if like if it's a goal to do like a big show in Las Vegas. I go, "Not really, because that's not yeah. It's that, that is, people I think often wrongly assume that that is what you're aspiring to, right? As if that is sort of the top. And I've, I've I've used that analogy. It's like it's it's like going up to you know a person who plays violin. It's like, oh, do you really hope to play guitar one day? Yeah. Like, well, no. There's different things. I'm still, um, but because you've seen some asshole do a card trick, you would think card tricks are inherently less than a uh, big stage illusion. I still have Simon Cornell's thoughts rolling in my head about sure. like how that um, velvety voice. How could you not? Uh, I've still got uh, an idea. <laughs> that was my impression. I tried to do an Simon impression. Today. Oh, really? I, I couldn't do it. Um, I can't. I don't have my Australian. Good Australia. <laughs> Nailed he it. Just says, um, That's how you get into it. You say yeah, the name of the country. Australia. Australia. No, um, no just the idea that the, the kind of sad idea that like close up is like a dead end. <laughs> right. It's really like a depressing thought. Um, Good thing in my I haven't built my career around it. So anyway, John, how's your year been? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's an interesting. Just it's a like it's hard to think about that he's wrong in any way. <laughs> like yeah, and, and that's and it's I, I I hate to be a broken record. I really do. Well, I guess not enough to not do it though. Um, I mean, you haven't gotten that record fixed, right? Is is I I think with when you say magic is still figuring it out. I think it is still one of the only popular art forms that you can see a lot very readily available in a, a large city mm-hmm. um, or, or in some large cities or on TV or online that um, is still d- mostly dictated by the artists, not necessarily the audience. Oh, that's interesting. Right? I mean, like I said, you know, Julio Torres is great. I wish there's more stuff like him. But commercially, he's not going to – he might affect stand-up and he might like – you know, influence some people yeah. and there will be hubs where that kind of thing is more successful. And of course in big cities where there's a lot of comedy, but that's not like, you know, Bill Burr, what, what he does and that kind of comedian is never not going to be commercially viable. Yeah. Um, also actually, maybe you know this what is I mean? A, the, Bill this... Burr is never going to like, is never going to be forced down to do the Orpheum while Hannah Gadsby does the Inglewood forum. Uh, yeah. Um, I was thinking that because the audience, because there's so much stand up. I guess what I'm saying is the audience chooses what they want to see, right? And also the audience can uh, sort of legitimately preview what they're going to see. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, and I was just thinking, maybe an advantage for magicians is that you kind of have to you. It's like like the whole thing of like sometimes somebody might say like, oh, you should watch that Hannah Gadsby special. I, I don't want to tell you any of the jokes are really good, but sometimes somebody might say that to mm-hmm. you, right? But they will kind of always say that to you with magic. Like it's almost like a prerequisite that the you, you can very fairly say to an audience like, you know, we're not telling you anything about this show. You got to buy a ticket for it because right. this guy's amazing. To a the point, I bet I think there's like a bell curve where you kind of hit a point where like don't tell people, don't tell people, don't pe- tell people, and then you kind of got to tell people. Like you know what I mean? Like it is kind of got to be like you got to see this bullet cat. You got to see Copperfield spaceship uh-huh, and stuff right. like that. You yeah. know. That's the that's how he gets people into his house. Right. You got to see my spaceship. Got to see the spaceship. Uh, so how was your Christmas and New Year? My Christmas was was great. Uh, what did you get? Um, I the only magic things I got were two books. I got the new Ben Earl book, The Shift. The Shift. I got that too. I've not looked at it yet. Okay. I, I don't know the chance. I need yet. you to look in that book and Ben Earl. If you listen to this, look in that book into the false riffle shuffle that he okay. teaches. Because uh, I I'm like. Does this does this look okay? <laughs> I've tried oh, that's to work funny. it out, okay, and okay. I kind of tried to do it the other day. I forgot how to do it, but like I was like, "This looks okay, okay." Uh, if you believe it, I mean, if I mean, he's an amazing card guy, so right. I would think. Um, uh, it's also one of those things where sometimes when I read books about cards, I'm like, "Am I interpreting this correctly?" Because right. this part seems weird. Oh sure, where uh, that, and that is a case where I'm like, I kind of wish I had a video for mm-hmm. this. So I haven't sat down and given that the time I'd like to yet. I also another book I got was. Uh, a new angle by Ryan Plunkett and Michael Feldman. Yes, I have that, which book. I'm very excited to look at. Uh, that book is too hard for me. Oh, really? 
It's all about. It's just like it's, it's for a, anyone that doesn't know. It's, it's a, a book all, all about the stripper deck. Yes, and uh, Ryan Plunkett will be in Columbus, Ohio this weekend when mm-hmm. I'm at Magi Fest. Oh, that's right. So we got to talk about that. Um, and then uh, yeah, so my my Christmas was good. I, I did. I was very very busy. I had about uh, I had a lot of shows. Excellent. And I was um, and then on the 26th. I got very sick, Ooh. Uh, which turned uh, after several days of it not getting better and realizing it was much worse than uh, just a kind of strong cold. Ooh. I uh, found out I had tonsillitis. Oh no! Uh, so antibiotic and an ibuprofen, like a medical grade, ibu- or like a prescription grade ibuprofen and a steroid injection. Later, I was on the mend, um, but I did have to do I, my my last show of the year was on the twenty seventh. Uh-huh. Um, I got really sick on the like one of those things in over two hours, you're like, go, go from fine to like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. in pain, uh, which really hindered my viewing of little women, um, <laughs> as I'm just like falling down this hill, right. metaphorically speaking. And so, uh, I, I, I spent the all morning on the 27th. I maybe called about nine people that I knew to try to cover this thing for me. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> nobody could. So I had to drive out to Anaheim and do this thing. And but, that and that client had specifically requested that you do the French kiss trick over and yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. at the time I just thought it was a cold. I just I had this is a day in, right. uh, you know, and then 3 days later now, I, they all have tonsillitis as well. Great. So Did this lead to this next thing that you had? No, unrelated. Okay. okay. So it then wasn't I, like, I got wor- okay. you know bad and then I I, I, <laughs> I took this medicine and then I was healthy for all of 2 days, 3 days before I had to get my wisdom teeth taken out. Which kind of knocked me out. Okay, for about so it four wasn't like the tonsillitis. They were like, "Ooh, no, that was just that had been planned." Because uh, I'm about to lose my parents' health insurance uh, ah. on this Thursday. I go. And are you over that? The, uh, the wisdom teeth. About ninety. percent I have to go in for a checkup this week, and um, I, I can't eat. Uh, I'm still afraid to use a straw. You're not allowed to use a straw. Yes. And I, I, I don't know exactly how. They didn't say like after three days or four days. I feel all on you, the better. You've, you've prevented the sockets from going dry. Right. Um, so I feel all better. Um, I'm not allowed to eat any food, foods with uh, seeds, um, which, oh, yeah, yeah. which, which, uh, I don't know how long that's, I guess for a couple weeks. So uh, now I'm, 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 I'm back. Yeah. Um, and then I, I was, I was in the car today and heard the radio that like flu season is hitting California particularly hard. Uh, and then I was like, Oh no, please God. No, I just got back from London and, um, I had a little bit of sniffle when I got home. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to Pittsburgh and Columbus. You want to talk right. Magi Fest first, or we want to talk Magic Goes Wrong? Um, ooh, that's a great question. Why don't we just quickly go over the schedule for Magi Fest? Yeah, let's go over the schedule. So you're going to be leaving tomorrow morning, and you're meeting your friend Justin Zell, friend of the podcast, friend of the podcast in, in, in Pittsburgh. I'm teaching an improv workshop in Pittsburgh tomorrow night. Cool. Uh, and then Wednesday we are driving to Columbus, which I awesome. don't think is a long drive. Right. I think we looked it up on the podcast once. It's like four hours or something. Four hours? Oh, okay. I think not. that's what you said last time, and I was like, that's too long. My, we might have already had this conversation. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you two should definitely do uh, an episode from Columbus. Yeah, well, and yeah. I would love to. We might even do a little, like, day one, here's what Chris bought. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'd be a fun game is for like the audience, to for our listeners to try to Guess the amount you'll to end up spending. Oh God, I don't think that's it. So, so I have committed to <laughs> um, to my husband Eric that in 2020, in 2020, that if I'm going to spend money over a hundred dollars on anything, I'm going to consult with him before I do that. Oh, okay. But I have an exemption for this weekend. <laughs> nice. This is your hall it pass. Is, um, this is yeah. Your... This is why I spent my hall pass on. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I go fuck a bunch of dudes or buy things over a hundred dollars. Right, right. Uh, it's looks like it's three hours. Okay. Because uh, Pittsburgh is pretty West Pennsylvania. Right. Um, so I still come from a California mentality of like state, like a different state, long drive. Yeah. Uh, okay. So here's the schedule. Uh, starts on Thursday this mm-hmm. week. Um, of course, the, probably the most important event of the whole convention to me, grand opening of the dealer's hall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Peter Clifford, one man show. Don't know who that He's is. He's from the UK. Uh, Eight o'clock, Abner the Eccentric, one man show. Oh, that'll be fantastic. I'm so excited that he's... Oh, man, that's so cool. 10 o'clock, Ryan Plunkett. If any of you are going to Magi Fest and you don't know who Avner is or don't really care because you kind of don't know, you know, know he's not a magician, um, fuck you. Go see Avner. Uh, <laughs> weird. Weird emphasis there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go um, see. It, it, it's, it's good. And also, please come say hi to me if you see me. Um, Ryan Plunkett at 10 p.m. Okay. Uh, and I saw him at... show was he doing? Uh, one-man show and mm-hmm. lecture. I saw him at... Um, Chicago Mag- Magic Lounge. He's mm-hmm. great. Cool. Uh, 11 p.m. Carl Hine. Cool. Bar Magic. Friday, 10 a.m. A lot of stuff on that Thursday. Yeah. Friday, 10 a.m. Chris Capehart Children's Show. This is supposed to be a fun thing. Uh, okay. Chris Capehart, who does rings. Yeah. He does, a, he does a show for just for kids in the audience, and all the magicians like stand in the back and just watch. Oh, that's cool. Like how good at, he is at this, doing this. I show. will say that, I mean, 
I think there's probably lots of value in watching a good kids performer yeah. perform for kids. I, I I never got around to seeing that uh, I Hate Kids children show in Edinburgh. Oh, I Hate Children children's show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I believe um, that guy also had a second show that was just a magic show. Oh, cool. Um, I didn't see either of them. Uh, then we have Margaret Steele uh, with her research on Adelaide Herman. Cool. Uh, and then Joe Posnatsky and Joshua Jay discuss his new book on Houdini. Okay. Uh, I've heard and of then him. we delve into the future with teen phenom Elias Arbuckle, who will perform his act. Cool. 2.30 is Karl Hein Lecture. 4 o'clock is Wolfgang Moser Lecture, who's from Austria. 5.30 is a David Stone Lecture. Nice. Um, cool. Is David Stone performing at all? I don't know. I don't know. Forget He's not that. not so far. Uh, six. Uh, so it's eight o'clock is Morgan and West. Cool. Nine o'clock is Ben Hart. Um, you should talk to Morgan and West because they saw my Edinburgh show, and if you yeah. tell um, and and they both uh, tweeted about it. Um, and like maybe they. I mean they. I've crossed paths with them a lot in the fringe, but I don't think they actually know who they who I am. I if think you, they, if you told them that, I mean, not that I think, uh, you know, if I like produce and direct, if, if I, you said, oh, I, yeah. oh, you, my, my, I directed a show, this guy's show, um, yeah. you saw it and you told him you liked it. Um, yeah. Uh, cause I want to have a relationship with them. They're, they're cool. I feel like West will be like, aren't you the guy that like kind of had a crush on me five years ago? And like, Stalked right. me on Twitter. And then you got, I think that might be his first uh, yeah, recollection you, of it. And then you're like, yeah, and you got less attractive over time. And <laughs> No, he got he looks very healthy now. Um, uh, 11 o'clock, Danny DRT's show. 11 at night. Yes. Some late shit at this convention. That's fucking Spain, man. Right. That's we, how they we, do it, man. We eat dinner at 9.30 p.m. We take a nap at 11, we, and then we start the show at 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have jobs. Uh, Saturday. Uh, Morgan and West lecture, um, Medini interview and show. Do you know him? He's uh, from Ecuador. Oh, were those two words you said or one word? Medini is all one word. Okay, no, I have no idea uh, that he's is. from Ecuador. Oh, he continued to perform magic even though he lost his vision. Ooh. Oh. Uh, I, that was, that felt, that ooh felt inappropriate. Oh. Mm. Uh, 2.30, Abner the Eccentric lecture. Cool. I have uh, seen that lecture. Okay. Uh, or I, I've seen him yeah, give a him. lecture. Yeah. Um, he does an hour long. Uh, he did an hour long lecture. Uh, that is quite good. Four thirty on Saturday, the David Williamson Hour. Uh, awesome. Our guest of honor takes the stage. Well, will he perform? What will he teach? Your guess is as good as ours. And then the gala show Saturday night is Arden James, David Williamson, Rolanda, Wolfgang Moser, Marco Zopi, and Hector Mancha. I don't know a couple of those names. Um, I, I knew uh, I know Arden James. <laughs> Who, uh-huh, who normally does the three-person show with Zabrecki and yeah. uh, Tina Leonard. Which I think they're doing soon, actually. Oh, cool. I That's think. a very fun show. Uh, I've, I know, of course, Hector Mancha. Uh, what was the second name you said? Oh, David Williamson. Rolanda? Uh, Rolanda, I don't know. Wolfgang Moser? I do not know that. And Marco Zoppi. Yeah, um, that sounds familiar, but no, I don't know. But honestly, given the, the, given the, the um, quality of the people you do know, the, right, like, it's very encouraging. I, I have enough faith in the people that put on, like Joshua J and Andy Gladwin, yes, um, and Vanishing Inc. That I don't, you know, if they have a teenager doing something there, it's probably going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, that sounds like a great. What are um, you? What are you the most excited to? Well, I have signed up for a smaller Danny D.O.T.'s class on the Sunday. Cool. That's only like 20 people. Cool. So I'm excited about that. How much did that cost? That's an extra 100 bucks. Okay. Uh, and then I'm missing because I, my flight, I didn't realize my flight was scheduled this way. Uh, I'm, I had signed up for a- You're leaving on the second day of the convention. Yeah. I'm coming back the same, there on the same day back. Uh, no, Sunday night, I'll be on my plane back. I had signed up for a lecture that I won't be able to attend, and that is the After the Eccentric private class. Oh, his private workshop. That would have been fun. Now, uh, what I will tell you is, um, oh, I guess, well, uh, talk to him when you see him. Um, Avner does like a two-week, like a five-day workshop in Maine in February yes, every I year. Yes, I heard this. For several levels. And I think, uh, I mean, look, go to the, if you have a chance to go to the Avner private workshop, you absolutely should. This is not an, I, I hope this doesn't come off as an indictment in any way. But I do know that, like, in the in the past, um, I've heard stories of, of people like, hey, Avner, would you do this workshop at this thing? And he's like, I would love to. And it's like, great. Uh, it's, it's 55 minutes. And then he's kind of like, what? I need like three hours, like minimum, like, right, you know, because right. he, he goes really, really, really in depth. And he's probably coming from a clown background as much as from a magic performer background, right? Well, I doesn't, he's not a magician. He's just yeah. a clown. He does do some magic though. In the there's show. a, there's a little bit of magic, but I, I don't think any non-magician would come out of it thinking that was a magic show. Okay. Um, 
You should go do the five day clown intensive. Shoot and Simon did it oh. last year and they loved it. They and then uh, I'll go do the thing that I just saw, which was uh, like for five days you live in Danny Diotrez's house. <laughs> and, and do, uh, did you see that? No, is that a real thing? Yeah, they sold it to like 12 people. Or something, and by the time I clicked on it, it was already sold out. Wow. But you basically go to Madrid or wherever he lives, and you stay in his house, and you just like learn magic from him. Wow, which I think would be incredible. Yeah. The other one is that there's a the, I just want to go to Madrid. Yeah, the Vanishing Ink people do a the the event of the retreat, the retreat or something, and they already sold that one out for this year too, which is in wow. South Africa. Oh, cool! Uh, I thought I, I thought it was in Costa Rica. Right last there. year was Costa Rica. This year, South Africa. South Africa. Yeah. No. No. Nope. Um, can't. Sorry. So. In London, if you want to listen to my other podcast, Open Call, you can hear me talk about the other shows we saw, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I will say the standout was Noises Off. Right. That was uh, the best thing I saw in general in London. Um, and then through, I don't know if I explained it, but through like kind of a ticket mix mishap. Right. Um, that's that's the worst is is trying to keep someone. You told me the story off my Yeah. So uh, my husband. It's just like I, I, I felt for Eric. I'm like, yeah, that's a tough situation to be in to try to. My husband bought me tickets, to, bought me a ticket to Magic Goes Wrong while I was in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was during when he was performing the show that he was doing. Right. So, uh, but it was my Christmas gift. And he, w- I was like, oh, we should get tickets to Magic Goes Wrong since there. And he was trying to like dissuade me from buying the ticket without telling me that he bought me right. the ticket. So he was saying stuff like, oh, I don't think it's selling that well. You know, I saw it on the TKTS board or whatever. And then I would go do my research and be like, no, it's almost sold out. Like, <laughs> right. We have to buy a ticket soon if you want to. So, I ended up buying – I also wanted him to see it. So I bought two tickets for us to go see it, and then my Christmas gift was a ticket on the very next night. So for um, so for anybody that doesn't know, which is a probably fair amount of people. It's not getting a lot of play out here. There's a, a comedy troupe called Mischief Theater. Uh, Although, that, yeah, Play That Goes Wrong has toured the U.S., though. Yeah, Play That Goes Wrong has come through the U.S., um, and it is still running off-Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it closed on-Broadway and went off-Broadway, and I think it'll run for a while. Uh, I think it's a very, very good show. Yeah. I've seen it several times. Um, I think it's a lot and of And I have seen it. <laughs> uh, and I know you're not a, not a fan of it. Well, you know, I am I was very lukewarm on it when I saw it come tour through Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And then I did see a clip of those original guys performing right. it on, like, a BBC special. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, they are... There is something that that they are bringing to it because they created it, right? Right. So this group has done a lot of goes wrong shows. Yeah. They did a Peter Pan. A lot of them on the West End. They did a Peter Pan uh, goes wrong. Yes. They just had a BBC TV show start. Yeah. They and uh, yeah. And they, they even did a BBC special uh, that was uh, Christmas Carol goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, which, and then uh, did they do a bit of this magic goes wrong on something? They have. So there's you can find a video of them doing a clip. Um, where one of the original uh, uh, cast members does a, a bit for the Royal Variety Show in front of the Prince of Wales uh, called The Mind Mangler, um, and it, which I thought was really funny and mm-hmm. really good. And then they also, there was a... I Do you remember what thing. trick he did? Um, it, it, I mean, ultimately, he, he uh, did one trick. The whole thing was he didn't do any really any right. tricks, but it was all trying to guess people's jobs. Ah, and yes. so then uh, people are telling him what a job is, and he's pulling out pieces of paper. You know, it's like, I, I am a... You know, um, I I do this. He goes, ah, yes, that's why I wrote down. He pulls a piece of paper out of his pocket. and goes that you work indoors. Yes, yes, yes. And so then, it, you know, it goes worse and worse and worse. And, and uh, I believe the show is also uh, worked sort of. I don't want to say consulted, more hand in hand with uh, by a uh, pen and teller. Yes. Also, Ben Hart is the magic in charge of the magic. Really, in that show. Really. Yeah. Not pen and teller. Uh. I think what it is is that they're using some Penn and Teller material and had some co-writing and guidance from Penn and Teller. But then like the day to day, like, you know, hey, I got to do this thing. How do I do it? I think my. Oh, interesting. I think it's more like if anything, he's kind of like a liaison between like these are the big concepts. And then, you know, Penn and Teller aren't going to be available every day during a rehearsal process. Whereas I bet Ben Hart was kind of around. Right. I imagine they're not just kicking it it in London. It's funny is I was actually. and uh, I was having dinner at the castle once. This is probably a year and a half ago, two years ago maybe. And all th- the three writers and creators of Play That Goes Wrong mm. uh, just walked through the dining room. Erica Larson was showing them around. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, I really love the show, so I stopped them. And, and this is before – I think this it was on Broadway mm-hmm. at the time, but it hadn't toured. And they're certainly not like face- recognizable faces. Mm-hmm. And But I, I recognize them. I'm like, oh, my God, I, I'm a huge fan. I love you guys' show. I love you guys' work. And they were, they, they were very, very friendly. And they were like, oh, cool. Well, we were just in Vegas. We're like, we were talking to Penn & Teller about a thing we kind of want to maybe do together. Mm. And, uh, and then, we, you know, 
thought we'd check out uh, the Magic Castle, and, so, and and now I know what that thing was. Yeah. So this is so it's Magic Goes Wrong. It's a show. Uh, oh, and there's one other piece I've seen on YouTube. Oh, what's that? Um, that was the the Quick Change artist, the um the mm-hmm. old lady Quick Change artist. And I thought, and, I, and when uh, when we get to that. I do have a thought, or when you get to that, you just made a face as if you don't recognize what I'm talking about. There is a quick change part, but it's not, do you say it's an old lady? Uh, yeah. It's not an old lady anymore. Okay. Um, Maybe not old, but kind of like. Yeah, it's uh, it's a young lady. But basically, the, the uh, something goes wrong with her quick change s- section. Okay. Uh, so I'm not sure how much we should spoil about this show. Um, that's fair I, I, uh, um, I also I really wish we could figure out a way for you to see this show in right. fact we'll start a Kickstarter to send John to London to see this show and fly back because um, I'm really fascinated to know what other magicians think of this show and the reason I'm wondering is because um, for example I fucking hate the movie Birdman I think it's a piece of shit that's I've, I've, I've heard we were not friends when the movie Birdman came out, yeah, and then but you once reposted a thing, uh, you were posting some some thing that ultimately had a hidden joke in it that said Birdman sucks, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it was like, like uh, it was the um, it was the like blue and gold dress thing or something. Yes, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, and I was like, all right, here's a thing that Chris and I won't talk about. Well, no, no. The, so so um, I hate Birdman, and okay. I don't like the movie. Don't think twice. And it's because I know these worlds that they live in. So I know the world of theater. Right. And I know the world of improv. And, and I, I do like don't think. And twice, I am but very. I see why you don't like it. I'm very bristled by the things that they get wrong about those worlds mm-hmm. to the point that I can't really. Uh, I, I I don't think it's even my. I don't think it's even a fair reaction that I have. Whereas I love the movie Whiplash. Great movie. And uh, I know plenty of drummers Terrific and jazz movie. drummers who think that that's a piece of shit because they're just like, no, that's not how it is in mm-hmm. the jazz. But I don't know those things. Right. right. So similarly, I wonder if the satire in Magic Goes Wrong is what you would see as like, oh, I yeah, that really nails it. Or is it like, oh, no, this thing again, you know. The tropes that they are making fun of, That's will they be familiar to you or will they feel wrong to you? Very interesting. I would have... Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, having seen it... Uh, well, so I'm going to show you just... I found, I pulled it up um, on my phone. I'm just going to... Without the volume on, I'm just going to sort of show you what I've seen um, and who this uh, character is that did a segment um, on a show called Comic Relief. Yes, I and, think it's the same actor doing a completely different character got it and so she's sort of this like old woman kind of seemingly retired i can't remember. i haven't watched this in a while but one of the sh- the shtick she did and this is what i thought was very clever and you can find this the video i'm talking about is uh is called magic goes wrong wrong is in all caps comic relief and so mm-hmm. i think comic relief is a charity show and some of the jokes i didn't think were were great but she does this quick change stuff and she has some problems etc but then one of the things uh, after that she goes i can do everything fast and then she does like four other things, like painting a picture and doing this, uh, where like, you know, and one of them was she has a, um, she's given a pair of shears and there's like a bush and they cover it with a sheet really quick. And then a bunch of, you know, leaves fly out and then it's like trimmed into this nice thing. Mm. And I'll be honest, I don't know that I've seen someone make that joke before in a quick change act. Like I can do all these things fast. Look at yeah. all these things. And I was like, fuck, that's, that is a take. <laughs> so, <laughs> so none of that's in the show that, oh, I, that well. I recall. So I, I'd be, yeah. So I'd be curious to see this, uh, went up, um, this was published on April of 2019. Hmm. I, I'd be curious to see when. Um, so yeah, this was for Comic Relief Red Nose Day. Um, yeah. So okay. Well, I'm. I'm. Yeah. So tell, so tell me about the show in a way that yeah. Tell well, me as much so as you the, think. So the framework of the show is that uh, it's the son of a dead magician um, wanting to do like a telethon type charity fundraiser, and it's being broadcast on TV and. It's basically like, uh, you know, everybody's kind of bad and the magic keeps fucking up and they're asking for donations and it's not working out. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of framework of the show. Uh, the dead dad is Johnny Thompson. <laughs> it's like a photo of Johnny Thompson. Really? Yeah. Um, and because uh, they're like, and, and here's my dad. And they just, they, they talk about like what a horrible person he was and stuff. And then they put his picture up and it's Johnny Thompson. Wow. So that's definitely like an in-joke for right. people that... Um, know who he is uh and then there's basically it's an it's not it's a framework to have a bunch of acts rotate in and out 
Um, it's only like uh, one, two. There's only like four real acts mm-hmm. that keep sort of rotating in and out. One right. of them is the Mind Mangler guy that you've seen before. Right. And I have to say, I think his name is Henry Lewis. Yes. There's, there's two Henrys. There's Henry Lewis, Henry Shields. Um, so I think he is the strongest part of the whole show. Um, his mind mangler act in general is very good and very funny. Yeah. So I will, uh, I also found the video for, for him. If anyone's interested in watching it, uh, that's called mind manglers, comedy, mind readers, uh, Prince of Wales. And so you can, you can find it there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, if you type in mind mangler, uh, that'll come up in a 10 minute video and it ended with one trick in it. And I won't spoil what that is. If you want to go watch it, that's good. I, I don't know how it works. Uh, is that trick a having to do with a color? Yes. Okay. So, th- th- so this is what's interesting. H- his part of the, part of the show are very good, and so because I saw it twice, um, sure, he, I bet he's doing the most. His sections are the most loose. Um, he's doing a lot of crowd work. All of that it. stuff that you saw about the jobs and stuff mm-hmm. was different from night to night, and he's very very right. funny, um, dealing with the vagaries of how people re- respond to them. Sure. Um, and he comes back later, and I would say. And this is potentially insulting, given that I saw your show this year. Uh, probably like maybe the best smash and stab I've seen oh, interesting. in the second chunk. Uh, and I think it's a Penn and Teller smash and stab. Okay. Um, in that I think the method is different than yours. I mean, my smash and stab wasn't particularly interesting or good, and I cut it. So I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to be like, what? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's a different method. If you said it was the best <clears throat> Sands of the Desert you'd seen this year, I'd be like, okay, well, fucking, how can I make you happy, Chris? <laughs> Um, but like his, it has to be a different method because of the, his interactions with the audience. Cause it's very driven by the, I'll, I'll just say that I know that it's a different method because I saw it twice in a row. What do you mean? Is it, no, it's a different method because, um, like, Oh, then what I was doing? Yes, for oh, okay. sure. And, and also I was sort of like, well, Penn and Teller, I, I was using would, a, uh, a marked base. Uh, well, you were using the fact that you're just okay with things being smashed through your hands. Right. And you're just like... So I messed up once and there's already a hole there. And so what I do is I position my hand over the cup in a way <laughs> that if I if it does happen, it'll, it'll yeah. go through the, the same hole. But yeah, I was using a marked uh, base, um, um, which was it was uh, four coasters yeah. that all had screws in them that had one line going across the screw and the screws were going... Uh, vertically in one coaster while they're going horizontally in the yeah. other three. So now um, I don't endorse that method. Uh, you know. <laughs> especially under stage lights. <laughs> yeah, especially under red lights. So so I don't know what their method but is. I, I regret putting it in the show. And, I am uh, going to theorize that it's a different method because... So so what is... Um, can you explain what the effect is? Uh, it's pretty much a smash and stab with a rotating table that he kind of spins. Um, there's, a, there's a funny way they get into it, but basically the magician doesn't I end up knowing where the right bag is. Mm-hmm. And then he enlists the help of the audience right. to so hopefully smash the right one and he gets it right. Like, cool. But the way, his interactions with the audience in the, that process are really funny um, and we're really- Is that the same guy? Uh, same guy. That's, okay. that, so he, the mind mangler returns uh-huh. and that's his like another thing that he does. Right. Now, here's how I know it was some other method, which is that- uh, because I saw it twice. Two days what in is a row, he smashing his hand on? He's smashing it potentially uh, a like, broken bottle. Okay, and let's put it this way: the second night, I kept very close track of which bag had the broken bottle mm-hmm. in it, and and he smashed his hand into that bag. Mm. So the method has to be different, right? Uh, and also, my my knowing what we've discussed about Penn and Teller, very unlikely that they would endorse. A method that has any real danger to it. Yes. So that's all. Anyway, those parts were great. Um, I thought it was really great. I will say, in general, the show is too long, and I think they know it because it is there was, an intermission. An there's interval? an intermission. There's an interval. We can get ice cream, and you can buy your program just like everyone in the UK does. Right. Um, but some of those programs are legit, though. They're nice programs. Yeah, they're very nice. Uh, the first night, the show was two and a half hours long. Oh, wow. That is too long. Wow, that's too long, yeah. Um, and I think they knew it because from the first night, I saw it on a Thursday, I saw it on Friday, and they cut some stuff. How, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. How long? Wow, that's fascinating. Um, do you know what the process of, of putting on a show in the West End is like? Mm-mm. You know, the way, the way you would 
with most Broadway shows, not all, um, you know, uh, I guess Spider-Man being the only example that I know of off the top of my head, but most shows run the show in a Chicago or LA or Atlanta or something. Yeah, I don't know. And if then West, preview it for a while. Or maybe like, West End, they'll tour it like, um, wait, you know. what show just did this recently? The Noises Off, I think, came from a different theater. So I wonder, I mean, to what extent, and how long has it been running? Well, so that's a little unfair for me to be saying critical things because it's still in previews. Oh, or, or, or might have yet. just opened. Oh, like okay, gotcha. Um, the, I, you know what? Okay, I don't. Well, I mean, that, I mean, I don't think you that, can be as critical as you want. I, but I think it, at the very least, I'm not like I'm less shocked that a show like is cutting stuff and like yeah. you know it's too long and yes, et cetera. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, for example, um, you know, it's not in, like they opened a month ago. And, in play that goes wrong, the guy that played the kind of like. There was an actor that was kind of like very naive, but like very satisfied with getting audience approval. Yes. Like he'd come in and be like, oh, right. you like this thing? He's- that is what I do like about the play that goes wrong. I'll all about the play that goes wrong is mm-hmm. I, I, I buy into the, every character in that show. Ha- like, you know, the, the, the play within sort of the, the undertones of the murder mystery you're watching and these, these mm-hmm. actors who are trying to react to the fact that they're in this bad play and that this stuff keeps happening. Um, every actor kind of has their own each character has their own way of like why they're messing up or how they're reacting to this. Yeah. Um, I will know. just say, have you ever seen a live version of noises off uh, in London when I was like seven? Because so. that is one of the greatest plays of all time. Right. I have to say, Oh, I know. I agree with you. I agree with you, but I think that they all have their own sort of ways that I kind of buy into. And so yeah. like, you know, um, so that guy is playing a character called the blade. Okay. Who is a, obviously a Chris angel type. Right. Um, and so he has a couple go rounds as well, and his parts are pretty good. Um, the so it's like it it's very fun. Um, it's I, like I said, it's oh so the blade first night did a thing where he came out into the audience and stuck a long needle through his arm mm-hmm. and had an audience member like oh this is real and then had them pull it out of the arm. Uh-huh. And rhythmically just took a long time. He like had to go out in the audience. Is there a, There's uh, a cameraman that followed him. Is there a uh, like a bit that he's doing or just do the trick? Not so, really. Yeah, so that's my, my first question So that question was an is, issue is that that kind of just worked. Right. So it didn't go wrong. What is uh, my... my um, that was cut for the night too. To what extent is this... How much actual magic are you seeing in this show? Um. So uh, quite a bit, I must mm-hmm. say. Um. Every time... Does it feel like a magic show? That's what I would love to know what your opinion of it is, because I think it does. I think there is there's a fair amount of stage illusions. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a little those are also a little repetitive because they're kind of all of the I go behind a curtain, I disappear and show up somewhere else right. variety. And they are also all sort of um debunked in a pen and tellerish way. Okay. Um there is a reveal uh, what do you call it? Like, there's nothing there, and someone comes out. <laughs> like a, a production, a production at the top of the show that I have no fucking idea how they do it. Cool. Like, I'm, and I was just like, the second night, I was like looking all around the stage to be like, what is the setup? Like, how are they doing this? No idea. To the point that I thought a ludicrous thought that I was like, is this lady like a Kevin James style half body lady with? realistic leg stilts wow. and then later she takes off her dress and walks around and it's clearly real legs right like there's no way uh so that part is like okay, uh, uh, can you is it i mean i know we don't want to spoil too much even though we spoiled a fair amount but uh can you describe like what yeah it's what two we're looking at it's two assistants uh bring out um a thing that's like a uh cylindrical like a ring at the top a ring at the bottom and like two thin metal frames connecting the two uh-huh. and then uh it's got a curtain. You can see through it. They're moving it around, so it's clearly showing the the real background of what you're seeing behind them. Mm-hmm. They just pull this curtain, and then it pulls it back, and there's a whole lady in there. Wow! And like, there's there's space under the platform that you can see, and they're rolling it around, huh. and it happens in such a short amount of time. Right. And I was just like, I don't know how this is done. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm still having trouble kind of visualizing it. But yeah, it just cool. imagine a big tube, uh, not like a ring. A ring, two metal bars like holding together, and the, this bottom piece is on a plat- platform with wheels. Uh-huh. They wheel out the platform, they pull the curtain, they pull it again, and there's someone in there. Wow! And it's just like okay, that's great. Um, and also, <laughs> uh, like, you know, I'm going with Eric, and I'm like, I'll probably be able to figure out how much of this stuff done. And the very first thing I was like, nope, <laughs> no cool. idea. Um, and then there was one other moment that I'm not still not 
super sure how it's done. And that is, um, I will say that if you're familiar with Penn and Teller's career, I think you'll be familiar with at least three or four significant chunks of this show. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of them is cutting a woman in half, Mm -hmm. which is, I'm pretty sure is like just the classic Penn and Teller cutting a woman in half. The other one where there ends, uh, it ends in a very, uh, yes, in a very gory way. They do that in in the show. Yeah. Do Uh, they, in the show, is it real? Uh, yes, it's treated as real in the show. That's actually a pretty funny thing. Wow. That's, Um, that's, that's, uh, um, darker than, yeah, but it's so it's so cartoony that it's like, like, but like in the universe we're watching happen on stage. Oh yeah, we watch and a the, person die horribly. Yes, and then they go to the interval and come back and deal with the consequences. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty funny, actually. Okay, um, but yeah, actually that one is one where I'm like, I'm not really sure how this is done. Like, I think I there must really only be one way that it's done. Right. But like the visual uh, illusion of it is very good. Right. Um, and, and actually I will say that the context that they put that in is also very fitting the framework of the overall narrative, which is that this kid trying to do his father's magic, uh, uh, act and not doing that great at it. Right. And so in that one, they kind of like, um, sort of misread, they, they get his instructions incorrect and that's why that thing happens. Right. So it's interesting. Um, and then there's a few, like, sort in the rotation, there's just times where it's like, oh, man, like, the thing I would say about them, this show and play that goes wrong is that they are, uh, they, they have a higher tolerance for running the same joke a lot than I do. That's all. Okay. Like, they just, they just hit, if, if, if a character has a gag that they do, they do it, like, two or three times more than I am wanting to see it. Right. Uh, but audience loved it. Um and uh um, do you think that do you wonder if it's a british american thing or do you think it's more personal to you i think it's personal to me uh, it's funny eric asked me the same thing i think it's personal to me i think it's a comedian i think it's being a comedian thing mm-hmm. so maybe this is me being like jason ladanier of comedy right. <laughs> uh, okay so now this is my big question the real reason i want you to see it is that i will just say that this play lives because it is theater lives in a different relationship to stooging than I think magicians would be comfortable with. Okay. So there are moments that are very similar to plays that the moments that I've seen in plays and musicals where someone from the audience is part of it, but does not appear to be part of it at first. And so in a way that is like, I think if you, that was, that's in a way that I think is not that is a case for this not being a magic show because there are parts where they cross the line in terms of stooging that I think in a regular magic show, most magicians I know would be like, Oh, that's straight up stooging in a way that's not cool these Mm -hmm. days. But but also maybe it seems like to be the history of magic in a lot of ways. Explain this to me. So uh, did the audience know this person's a stooge? So there is one very clear gag like part where the audience does know the person's a stooge. Um, Is that the mind mangler? It's in the mind because that is in the video yes. where he brings his, you know, but uh, and he brings this person up uh, and he goes, yeah, you know, he very, you, very like clear. one of the, the joke is that like, the first thing he's like, can you confirm we've uh, uh, we've never met? And he goes, no, we do not live together. Yes, and that's the guy who played the butler in the. Yes. He's, 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 also, he's also one of the three guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? he's one of the. Uh, um, I will just say that that is very, a very clever, funny conceit that covers a deeper level of stooging that happens in other parts of the show uh, where the audience does not know that it's... Oh, because you sort of set an expectation that when we stooge, it'll be obvious in a yes. gag? Yes. So... There, I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. It, but it's a play. It's not not, it's not right. really a magic I show. I mean, they're stooging in... The three stooges? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's up to three stooges. <laughs> Between one and three stooges. I mean, there's I, there are performers who I think – there are shows in, in Vegas that I would say use stooges. Yes, I've heard that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, do, I, I will say David Copperfield stooges Yes, I've stuff. heard that, um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure – I'm what I'm not positive of, I think there was even jokes that he stooges um, – you know, and sometimes, and yeah, it's it's. So I I I I don't know that the whole community has been like stooging is awful. I I don't know. I, I I'm not sure if there I mean is, a, is stooging awful. I don't know. I, I will say that um, 
I, I mean, I don't even like pre-show. So to me, I'm like, I don't like it because I, to me, it's not, it's funny. A lot of times people criticize things as being like, well, I don't want this part to be like a puzzle. I want it to be like magic. And I'm like, I like the puzzle part of it. Okay. And I feel like pre-show and stooging kind of fucks up the puzzle part of it mm-hmm. because uh, we've definitely talked about this before. That's why right. I hate, that's why I hate usual suspects because you cannot possibly re backwards engineer the solution to usual suspects. Right. Um, and I feel that way about pre-show. There's a, there's at least one moment in the show that I, I, at one point, uh, I was like, that's pre-show. And then it wasn't. It was straight up stooged. <laughs> so and magic goes wrong? Yeah. So that makes me less excited. Like the same than, person the next night. Same. The same moment happens again the next night. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, by the way, I don't feel bad for learning that because I fucking bought two tickets. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, the, it's not like I, like, you know. Snuck they, in. Yeah. Um, you poked your head under the tent. Mm. Whereas I feel like even a, maybe even a magician that was doing pre-show, if I saw them two nights in a row, I, I might still be amazed two nights in a row that they got the right cocktail that the person wanted and it right. was in the drink or whatever. Right. Um, so it, may, it does make me re- recontextualize it more as like this is a play. And so I think by the boundaries of what a play is, I think that's perfectly fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'd be curious to know what, right. what you guys think of it. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I, I know I've asked you this question in three different forms throughout yeah, this yeah, episode yeah. D- what did it feel like when you're sitting there when you're leaving did it feel like you left a play or did it feel like you left a magic show uh i think it feels like you leave a play when- by the end of it because there's a narrative they they wrap up the narrative of it in a way that um i actually think hints at uh the the plot resolves in a way that's kind of like oh this it's funny I would say a layman might just be like, well, they, you know, they prearranged that, blah, blah, blah. Obviously that part, you know, when people like see Pitfull Us YouTube videos and they're like, well, the person in the audience, um, they'll always, they'll be like, the person in the audience knew what number to put into the calculator so that right. the numbers result and not realizing that it was just like toxic thing or whatever, right? right? Um, they think that the audience member had to be, and you, and there's a part of you that wants to be like, no, that audience member really genuinely put in their birthday or whatever right. and then hit multiply, right? Um but in this one, it's like if an audience member leaves going like, well, you know, clearly that guy was in on him. And, and it is kind of hinted in that direction at the end. In this case, like they are right. Like they're, they're, percept- they're layman's interpretations of like how it could have been done. Not that you didn't really go around talking to people yeah. in the audience after the show. No, but like I – But, but my curi- my, what I guess I'm trying to get at is, is the show coming off in a way that when people are – guessing that and they're guessing right it is hurting their experience i don't think so so yeah i I don't think so because i think the the comedic framework of the show is sort of what's more important okay so i think that is why i think it comes off more as a play Mm -hmm. it's like a you know sometimes there'll be a show on broadway that's not quite a musical and they'll just say this is a play with music like like uh, a play what was that show last year uh Um, the choir boy maybe yeah so this is a play with magic in it uh okay i think Probably more than like if we had gotten to see like Merlin or right. the magic show. Mm-hmm. The, I think Jim Steinmeier worked on both of those mm-hmm. maybe. I believe he did. Um, but I think those probably have more genuinely amazing illusions. And you know like – Did you see that uh, revival of Pippin? No, I didn't. I heard okay. there's a lot of magic in that yeah. as well. I, 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 that so, is also where my knowledge of that ends. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I – it's funny. I actually liked it more the second night after I saw mm-hmm. it. Because um, I really appreciated – so you know what? The Mind Mangler guy actually kind of proves the Dave Tooney theory in that he was fucking entertaining doing those mentalism bits. Right. Um, and it, it, like those parts are really, really funny. Uh-huh. Um, and they're really enjoyable and really organic in a way that I would say most magicians are not. Like he was going around genuinely asking people what their occupation was and riffing off of all the jobs in a very funny way. I don't want to say this person's name, yeah. um, so I won't. We'll call him Robert Ramirez. Yeah, no, not 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 him, but somebody. Uh, um, you and I talked about someone who, uh, uh, from a similar comedy background, doing magic. Mm-hmm. Um, who, when they do magic, kind of come, you know. 
unabashedly kind of like, all right, daddy's going to show you like how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fine. Yeah. Uh, and, whereas it sounds like this is a case where like a comedian is, is doing the same, you know, like this is a, per- this is a person who I, having seen them perform, I felt was kind of like, well, as a actor comedian first, uh, let me show you how it's done. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it was just fine. Uh, no, I this is genuinely. But, but this sounds like it was. It was not. It was, it was not the case where it was someone who was like a comedian who comes at it with that angle and with that skill set and 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 really delivers. Yeah, I would say Henry Lewis doing the smash and stab is like. I was like, I would love to fucking do that the way he does it. Cool. And it and the thing is, it's very simple. It's like he does smash and stab. It's set up in a way that he doesn't then remember. He doesn't get to like basically the 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 obvious stooge spins the table before he can he before he says go mm-hmm. so he turns around and he doesn't know which bag right his character doesn't know which bag mm-hmm. the the model is in and then he just very free form starts to do it and then kind of just asks advice from the audience right being like well which one do you, you there which one do you think it is and then just riffing mm-hmm. off of that those moments and i could have watched that for like 30 minutes so that uh um i know i mentioned it before but i think they currently wow uh now with that i believe have four shows on the West End all at once because they have the play that goes wrong still open comedy, comedy about a bank robbery is still open mm-hmm. now this and I believe they have um, one more I think there's like an improv show or something so what they're doing is they're doing three shows in a row in the same theater so they have play that goes wrong they have comedy about a bank robbery and then in this theater where I saw magic goes wrong they just finished a play called Grown Ups okay. and then they're running this and then they're about to run another one so got they're it. they gotta basically this theater was like uh, we'd love to have you in our space, and they're like, "Great, we want to do three shows in that theater in the next year." Cool. So they're all like limited runs. Okay, so they, so the, but so they still have three shows at the yeah. same time, uh, and so this is a very successful thing. That I believe they also had a show. This might have been part of it, where it was like a weekly improv show. Um, this yeah. was about a year ago. So I mean, it sounds like these people, and I think this original cast opened each of these shows, and then eventually, yeah. if they keep running, leaves them. So it sounds like they've just in this city, you know, like they've just gotten. So so many opportunities yeah to work together i mean and, and just to do to be in that exact space you know yeah. theoretically like a, a theater with an audience you know with their 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 very very clear brand of comedy that they love yeah. and enjoy and i mean they they probably you know they've hit that ten thousand hours uh yeah i imagine the it's and I, I did appreciate the changes i saw from one night to the next which kind of indicate that they're uh, aware of some of the like pace issues and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and that they're was that your only big issue coming out was how long it was. Um, I would say that there's like four sort of acts that sort of rotate through, and I'd say one of the four is just kind of like not as fun as the other three. What is that? Um, it's the it's I think what replaced that quick change uh-huh. thing, but it's just it's sort of a it's sort of a Euro making fun of like German European. Uh, like clown thing or right. something. And there is not as much magic in that chunk of the show. And they come around. It's just like, I don't know. It's, I will say, I don't think that I would say probably if you informally pulled the audience, probably their least favorite as well mm-hmm. of the four. And so that just seemed, there's times where it's just like, how long do you think this show should be? I think it should be, honestly, I think it should be, like 90 minutes long okay. like i think they, should, they, they could stand to cut a lot out of it mm-hmm. um but would that be with or without an interval with an interval like i if they cut it down to two hours i think it'd be amazing mm-hmm. um with the interval uh but that's just my taste i mean like that's what i'm saying like i mean i mean i'm always Did it facing feel like this, it dragged for the audience no that's what i'm always facing this in comedy things where like uh my tastes are never lining up with what like regular people like mm-hmm. you know so like like you know, if we show I think you should leave to every single person in America or Julio Torres is special. Right. Eighty percent of the people in America would be like, What the fuck are you showing me? Like right. what is this? Right. Um so that would be interesting. That's another I guess another reason why I want magicians to see this too, because like, does this where does this fall for a magician to watch mm-hmm. as well? Um but I will say there is a couple of uh uh it's interesting. I it's probably the most stage illusions I've seen in a show ever. Cool. Um, and uh, well, is that cool? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, cool. it's it's uh no, it's not bad. Like it's interesting, and um, just because I think we get used to seeing a lot of other kinds of magic except stage illusions, mm-hmm. um, it's in the context where it doesn't matter if it's corny or not, right? Um, and 
there's some very clever things in the show. Like, uh, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, and I think off air, I'm going to tell you about a couple of things that specifically happened and just like, let me know what you think of them. Awesome. Um, uh, and you know what, if you see me at Magi Fest, uh, ask me as well. And I'll tell you, unless we're near Ben Hart, because then he'll be like, don't tell them that. Right. Uh, but also, I don't have any inside information. I, I, I kind of think it's fair for me as like, I don't I don't know anything about their show. Right. It's all things that I'm deducing from the outside with mm-hmm. my knowledge and that kind of stuff. Right. So I don't. So you got a backstage tour. No, not at all. NDA. Um, you bought your tickets. Yeah. So um, I will say that it's relatively light on uh, even parlor level magic mm-hmm. and very, very light on card level magic. There's right. like one card thing in it. Um, that's pretty well done. Um, but I think that the, with, with the bulk of it being stage illusion and mentalism, that, that those are probably the sweet spots that you can get comedic performers to do really well at. Right. Um, and I, so I guess what the, the fun thing about the stage illusion parts is that they're kind of a little Burt Wonderstone, <laughs> the mm. stage illusion. So that's fun. And I think kind of leans into what's fun about it lets you do kind of older stage illusions. Right. Um, and they don't have to be 100% perfect. Um, so that's that's fun, right? Yeah, definitely worth seeing. Great. Well, we're at over an hour. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're so people can see you hanging out at. You can Magi see Fest. me Wednesday through Sunday in Columbus, Ohio, at Magi Fest. Yeah. So go say hi to Chris. I will be wandering around, probably with a bag in my hand. Yeah. Uh, if you see me, tell me something you think I should buy. <laughs> uh, actually, my main goal is like between seeing Danny Duarte's once and seeing doing his private workshop on Sunday. I'd love to come out of this weekend with a replacement for one of the chunks of my Magic Castle audition. Cool. That would be a good. By the way, this weekend I was shooting an indie short um, and on a break, decided to try again. my a uh, short film about Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, my Danny DRT's uh, totally messed up. My modification of his trick uh-huh. uh, completely failed oh, no. again. So, so this trick, which I love and I love doing, has like a 40% fail rate at this point, <laughs> <laughs> which is very hard to take. Uh, especially because it is, I mean, there are there are some there's tricks you have like like the uh, mental envelopes mm-hmm. where like I remember you sometimes knew ahead of time that like this isn't gonna work right and sometimes you could fix it. The structure I, I, it messed up exactly once and the same thing happened again later in the show. Um, this uh, and you pe- fixed it and and, and I I took an eighty percent gamble and mm. I and I did all the bits that I did beforehand where I'm like look guys. Let's just we're in this boat together, and we might be sinking right now. I yeah. basically did that, but uh, that that second time, I I just I think I kind of got lucky in yeah. what the issue was. So the way that I've structured this Danny DRT's thing, because uh, I I kind of redid it so I, I can just do it with a regular deck. Um, I don't know if it's worked or not till the very last moment, oh, no. <laughs> which is really hard. Right, <laughs> and it didn't work this weekend. So love to find a replacement for that. Right. Um, anyway, um, we, uh, we can. Uh, so I will be. Do some updates while I'm there. Cool. They won't be like hour long, but right. Justin and I will just talk about what we've seen at the convention. I'd love to do a, yeah, an episode when you get back. I'd love to hear all about it. Yeah, and then we'll yeah we'll catch up next week. Cool. cool. Um, I will. Uh, uh, and I have a couple things to plug. Oh yes, what do you have? Um, so I'm gonna be uh, at the Magic Castle again coming Whoa. up soon in February, about a month from today actually. Uh, I'll be in the Peller with Robert Ramirez. Cool. And I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, and 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 we've been we we, we have a bunch of ideas. Um, that are going to be silly and weird and bizarre and fun. I assume you'll be doing the smash and stab that I pitched. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> That'll uh, go over great in the castle. Yeah. Uh, and then um, from April 19th to April 26th, which is eight days, I'll be at the Chicago Magic Lounge. Oh. Um, so I'll be doing four days in their 654 Club, the close-up theater, and then four days like – Oh, uh, you're doing the close-up theater. Uh, yeah, and then I'm doing four days and uh, doing like their, the tables, as, as they're colloquially called. Fun. By, um, so my, uh, my friend Paige Thompson, who did the close-up gallery with last month, I, uh, I messaged her today. I'm like, oh, I'm in Chicago. She's like, cool. And I, and I told her the day. She's like, oh, so you're doing the tables with us. I was like, I don't know what that means. I, th- I think so. Oh, cool. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Maybe and, I'll uh, fly out and see this. You talked about that once. Like, I was like, yeah, I, wish, uh, I, can, yeah. I have stuff to do in well, Chicago. Um, you can do uh, – you can do – um, I could do baby, but why? <laughs> I'm just gonna, uh, also, Matt Donnelly from the Mind Noodler is doing Chicago Magic Lounge like May 15th. Oh, cool. So maybe I'll just stay in Chicago for a month. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, that's a good time of year to be in Chicago, actually. Actually, you're very lucky that you're booked in April. Right. As opposed to like February. Right. Uh, cool. That's very exciting. Yeah. So I'm and last time I was there, I didn't get to see their close up lounge. So this will be fun to. Yeah, I'm excited to, to do it. Yeah, um, cool. So. Awesome. So book your tickets now. Book your tickets now. For Columbus, Oops. Ohio, fly out there tomorrow. Right. <laughs>
See you tomorrow in Columbus. See you tomorrow in Columbus, and then see you in February in Los Angeles, and then Chicago in April. Cool. Yep, all those places. All right. Goodbye. See ya. Thank you.